This is the Greater Lafayette Story Exchange Podcast, a community space for real people to share real stories from their lives as we learn from each other, laugh with each other, console one another, and grow closer together. Each week, storytellers from the community tell stories on a given theme, and you have the privilege of hearing some today. This is part three of the series, All in the Family. And now we have... Jess. Some of you have seen me before, um, so I can't promise that I won't curse. I come with a trigger warning. Um. <laughs> okay, so my, my idea for family ties is, is sisterhood. Because Mother's Day just passed, and I had some time to reflect on this since I haven't spoken to my own mother for seven years. And my sister also doesn't hold a relationship with her um, going on four, I would say. Uh, And my introduction to this community about five years ago was to a household that I found on Craigslist, which turned into the first Airbnb in the community, and um, a very popular lady around town, Diane D'Amico, she was my roommate for two years. My housemate is what we ended up calling it. And then we had another lady come in, Kelly, um, for about a year of that. So here I am, um, a late college student. I like took some time off in my senior year. I was like, I'm going to do something completely different and go to agriculture school at Purdue, even though I don't have any science background. And um, that was weird, but also awesome. And so at like 25, I'm hanging out with, you know, mid 50 year old women and they become my sisters, like my pseudo moms um, and really like filled this deep hole that I had. And she she had a lot of nicknames. Diane had a lot of nicknames for me as I was um, in this transition period. And the first one was, well, you're you're sort of like my my broken baby bird. And I'm, I see this, and I have a daughter, and I have three son, two sons, and um, I just kicked them out of the nest, and so I think maybe you can come into the nest for a little bit, but you have to know I'm going to eventually kick you out. And she told me that up front, and she, she likes to borrow this phrase from uh, a good friend of hers who begins difficult conversations up front by just saying, we're about to have a difficult conversation. And I think that's really a good phrase uh, to lead people with. And so I went through, and through finding my tribe, as you put it earlier, because uh, I didn't come from a family, you know? So I, I came here, and I'm, I'm starting to find my tribe. And we start going out, and I hadn't been to bars. I'm like 25. I never did that whole thing. And I, I, had, I had another nickname from Diane. She called me Raid Face. And I was like, what does that mean? And she was like, well, I'm... I mean, I kind of want to have fun, and you've got that right face on. I'm like, girl, sometimes you need that right face. And she's like, fair. But also, can you just smile sometimes? <laughs> I'm like, you right, you right, you right. Okay, I need, like, I'm not. I'm, like, growing some feathers. Like, this is, it's okay. I'm okay. Like, I can let somebody buy me a drink. It's going to be fine. So I grew a lot in that period and started to go out, started to make other sisters, and I've sisters here tonight. I have three of them right here. I've got Ebony, and I've got Nilu, and I've got Mary, and I can't even go into how close these women are to me, 
And um, I, I think that when you're lacking a, a motherly influence, it, it can be difficult to, like you were also saying, I connected with earlier, this, this um, disassociative thing, like where you're protecting yourself, you know? Like I didn't have a lot of women friends. I was just like, you're probably crazy. Nah. But then I realized like I really needed, I needed that teaching. Um, and, it, and I've been blessed with a lot of sisters here. And while this sisterhood is occurring in my life, I think about my own sister. So I have a younger sister. Um, we've been through a lot. Coming back, to, coming back to how we have transitioned to me being the scapegoat child and her being the golden child throughout our whole lives and being pinned against each other and not enjoying each other's company. And eventually in high school, we were fist fighting and, you know, cops were being called on each other. And it was just like this, you know, feud all the time and really hard to a moment of silence for probably a year or two to her calling me one day and be like, hey, do you think it's okay that I move in with dad? Like, do you, like, I haven't talked to dad in a while either because, you know, my mom alienated me from my dad. And, but you've been talking to dad, so I really need, like, a safe place to go. Is that okay? She was like, I, I told her, I was like, yes, absolutely. So by her moving in with my father, and because my father and I could communicate, my sister and I then could communicate. And because I was here having sisterhood with older sisters, because I'm the older sister. I didn't have a mother, therefore I didn't have any uh, examples to go by, I suppose. Um, I was able to reach out to my sister and sort of fill the, the older sister role that I had not filled in the past. And, I, and I'm really grateful for that. And, and it led to the story that I told the first night here um, it, was a, it was a huge breakthrough because her and I went to see Pink together and that was such an influential artist in our lives. It really connected us through music. Um, I'm not sure what my time is. Okay. Um, and on top of this, there was a family member, um, my auntie Jenny, who is like uh, a tribe member, I would like to say, because and we're not related by blood. And we were always sort of the outcast. Like, and at 15, she noticed that I needed mothering. And so she takes me under her wing. And uh, at 18, I needed a place to stay. And so she was like, come live with me. You know, you've, you're fine. You don't have a place to come. Like, I've always, you know, nurtured you. And We'll get you a job. I bet you can have a job within a week. We'll get you your license. Like, you know, like we'll, we'll do the whole thing. And she was right. I, I moved to Colorado. I graduated high school early by a semester. And then I moved to Colorado and moved in with her and her family. And I uh, was able to get my first job uh, within a week. She was totally right. And I was able to have a role model family at that point because her, her children... Three of them were between seven and 14, I think. And um, one of my profound moments of this, this idea of sisterhood slash pseudo-mothering was we were dropping off the kids um, 
next door. They were soccer buddies and they lived like right next door. And this, the mom opened up the door and there was this glowing light, this just golden light from the mom opening the door and then the shadow of the kids and their little soccer outfits running towards the door, being like, mom, what's for dinner? Like, we're starving. Like, yay, mom's cooking. And um, I just started bawling. And I was like, that is, that to me is family. And some, that is happiness. And that's, that's a tribe. And thank you for showing me that because I also experienced that with you every day because your kids are running to the car after soccer practice. And I mean, so it doesn't, I guess my point is that uh, Mother's Day doesn't have to be about a biological mother. Motherhood is, is uh, varied and it can be sisterhood and it can be partnership. Motherhood is a multifaceted uh, definition, I think. <laughs> All right, next up we have Kathy Russell. Okay, so I'm Stacy's mother, so this is like, and I'm the landlord here, so get ready. <laughs> okay, so. You can say whatever you want. Yeah, I can say. Okay, so we have a really small family, and um, my dad was an only child, and my mom, my mom had four brothers and sisters. Um, and so my mother's father or brother died early. And then my mom was on a cruise with her husband, um, Bill, who my, my dad died early. So my mom remarried and she was with Bill on a cruise. And I get this call that our aunt Esther had died. And so I'm like, why did they call me? Well, aunt Esther had no kids and aunt Esther was a little wacko. And like, whenever she'd come to Indianapolis, my dad, my not Bill, but my dad would go, oh, my God, when am I going to have to bail her out of jail or what? But anyway, so, so they called me to say that Aunt Esther died. And I said, well, okay, she's in Lebanon, Ohio. And I'm thinking, okay, I said, to, so I called this friend that has a funeral home here, and I said, you know, I really don't want to go over to get Aunt Esther and bring her back in a station wagon or something like that. I said, how can I do this? And so I said, could I have her, like, cremated and then brought over here and he goes yeah so oh and by the way my grandmother the mother of these kids had already died and been placed eternally in Tippecanoe Memorial Gardens so I said okay let's get her cremated and bring her over now my mom's still on the cruise so my mom comes back and I go hey Aunt Esther died I got her cremated she's coming I you know, I don't think you can do that anymore. I don't think I think you have to wait three days and have all sorts of certificates that you can cremate somebody. So anyway, Aunt Esther comes over by FedEx. <laughs> <laughs> yep, they deliver to the front door of my house, and she's in a little plastic bag. And and so my I have another aunt, and that was Aunt Betty. Now my mom's the only normal one of the family, but Aunt Betty said, and so we decided. I talked to this guy, and he said, you can, and if there's anybody here that could get me in trouble, maybe might want to re, not record this, but anyway. <laughs> the guy said, you can, you, can bury Gra you can bury Aunt Esther on top of um, Grandma's, her mother's grave out at Tippecanoe Memorial. I go, 
bingo. And he said, you don't have to even have to buy a gravesite. So if anybody wants to know how to have a cheap funeral, it's me. $1,000, you can get them cremated, you can have them sit over on FedEx, and then you could sprinkle them on grandma. <laughs> Which is what we did. So you would think that that would be the end of the story, but it's not. So... Aunt Betty, when we sprinkled Grandma, Aunt Betty was the baby of the family, and she always, like my mother, at Christmas, when there were two dolls, my mom would always say, I want that one, which isn't the one she wanted, because she knew Betty would say, I'll take that one, and she'd get the one that she wanted, right? So Betty was spoiled, and she was the baby of the family. So anyway, Aunt Betty goes, well, I wanted to be buried on Grandma. And I'm like, okay. So her daughter, Joni, said... Okay, Mom, when, we're, when you die, we'll bury you on Grandma. So Aunt Betty dies. Joni has her cremated. And they drive, a year and a half later, they drive up to Lafayette. And I said, like, where's Aunt Betty? And she goes, in the cooler. And I go, why is she in the cooler? She goes, I didn't know where to put her. So they're in their car. They come up, and they're in the cooler. The the, Aunt Betty's in the cooler. So we call my my cousin Joni had a floral thing delivered to the to the Tippecanoe Memorial Gardens, and they put it, you know, over on the grave. And then we had this really nice service, and she really did a good job, and it was really nice. And at the end, but but it was raining, like raining sideways. So we all had these umbrellas, and we're hovered around in a circle, you know, trying to you know keep out of the rain. And the rain's raining sideways, and Aunt Bet and um, Joni goes, do you want to b- help me bury Aunt, or sprinkle Aunt Betty? And I said, sure. So we sprinkle Aunt Betty all over the grave. And, and my brother, my, Joni said, you know, they never did find, Aunt, find Grandma's gravestone. And so we said, oh, that's too bad. And so anyway, so as we're walking out, my sister-in-law, Lynn, says, we're walking out, we get about 10 feet away, and my sister-in-law says, well, there's Grandma's gravestone. <laughs> we buried Aunt Betty on the wrong place. So Joni and I drop our umbrellas. We go over and we grab this like soot, <laughs> throw it on on the guy on the on the real grave, and we took it off this grave and put it on this grave. That's pretty much the end of our story. <laughs> Man, Kathy, I feel like you should be a landlady for a funeral home. For when stuff gets real, you call Kathy. <laughs> All right. Our final speaker for the evening, uh, an encore for Nilu. Come on up. I had a delicious blueberry cider, so I'm going to tell you a delicious story. Oh, <laughs> I let her suck my thumb. Mora saya, mo se bolena. Mora saya, mo se bolena. She said her father, he made her suck his thumb when she was a little girl. And she did not like it at all. So she said, I want to suck your thumb. I want you to suck my thumb. You know, it'll give me a whole new meaning. A wholly different me. 
So I let her suck my thumb. Mora like a teething baby, her mother's thumb, ice, and I never saw her again. And sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night yearning, and I sing this song. It's a song that if you become a classical singer in the Indian classical tradition, you would learn this song. And the translation is, my beloved, my beloved won't speak to me anymore. Oh, my beloved won't speak to me anymore. And the rainy season is passing, and the raining season is passing, and my lover won't speak to me anymore. And my tears are gushing like the rain. Thanks so much for listening and being part of the community. We'd love to see you and hear your story at the next Greater Lafayette Story Exchange event. Check our Facebook page for dates and times.